Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Nick Finzer, and I'm joined today by the illustrious pianist, composer, arranger, slash many other things he can tell us about. Um, that's Mr. Stephen Feifke. Thanks for joining us today, Stephen. Thanks so much for having me, Nick. Yeah, man. Well, it's a very exciting time. Your new album, Kinetic, is about to come out, and uh, it's with your big band. And I know you've been looking forward to this moment for a very long time. It's been a long time in the works, so... Why don't you tell us a little bit about the new record? Um, so the new record is um, the culmination of about 10, work, 10 years of working big band uh, performance in New York City and uh, features 10 of my original works uh, for big band, including several original compositions and a few arrangements as well. So I know that... Um, You've got it's not your first album as a leader, but your first big band album. So let's back up a little bit and kind of give people some context. So what gave you the crazy idea that I should start a big band? <laughs> yeah, and it is a crazy idea. Um, so I was always writing music from a very young age. I was just really lucky to have a composition leaning teacher um, named Susan Capestro, who in my first lesson with her in first grade. Um, said, play a waterfall. And like any kid, I was like, okay, ran my finger down the piano. And she said, okay, well, what happens when the water hits the hits the ground? Is there a big splash? Is there, you know, is there a miss? And I'm like, of course, I just slam my elbow down on the bottom register of the piano. I'm like, boom. She's like, great. And like, are there trees around? Like, what's the setting? And so I was kind of coached in this from a very young age and actually playing music. Um, you know, even though I play piano, I really consider my instrument to be the pen and the paper. Um, that's where I feel most comfortable expressing my musicality. And so as I got older, I started writing down my compositions and I was part of a couple of programs in high school that were geared towards um, performance-based, um, learning jazz through performing, basically. And that included trios, quartets, septets, and also big bands. And I think I had my first big band writing experiment experience when I was in about 10th grade and I wrote a very unsuccessful chart for my high school band, um, which was so unsuccessful, it was never performed, but I still kind <laughs> I of, <laughs> but I still kind of got bit by the bug. And I just loved that feeling of being able to write down and score out exactly what I was hearing um, and communicate exactly what I was feeling. And those that the combination of being able to communicate what I'm feeling and the experience of hearing the ensemble playing my music is what got me um, into it for, at that young age. So that explains why I started writing for Big Band. But <clears throat> actually, the way that I started leading a big band in New York City is that someone commissioned me to write an arrangement of I've Got the World on a String. Um, for a vocal feature. And the only request was that there was a trombone soli in there. And the person who commissioned me ended up hating the chart and didn't want to play it in their ensemble. Oh, wow. And didn't pay me for it. So I learned a lot of valuable lessons in business in that interaction. Um, but basically, the result was that. I had an arrangement of I've Got the World on a String that I really loved. Um, 
And so I decided, you know what, I like this, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something with this. So I wrote another arrangement. I wrote an arrangement of my favorite things. I got a bunch of my friends to join me at the recording studio at Peter Carl Studios in Brooklyn off the Union uh, R stop. <laughs> yep. Got everyone pizza and whatever it paid them, whatever I could afford. And luckily you were one of those people as well. That's and right. that's how I started my big band in New York City was from this uh, awful interaction turned into kind of a momentous moment in my momentous moment. Does that even make sense? I mean, it does, but it sounds silly, um, but, but like a very pivotal moment in my career. Um, and that is how I started my big band. Wow. I actually did not know that the whole backstory <laughs> behind that. I remember, I remember that first session and I remember that you wrote some music that was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why they didn't like it. Who knows? Uh, maybe, <laughs> no, but it's a great arrangement. And, uh, I remember, um, I remember everyone putting in a lot of, uh, you know, music energy and really trying to get, get that off the ground. So I guess the first experience you had was getting to was doing the videos and starting to get the band off the ground. I remember some other videos that were done in different ways. So you've kind of tried different recording methods and different studios and everything. So how did you kind of come to put together the, the plan and the execution of this new record kinetic as opposed to maybe those first couple of projects? So the first couple of projects, including that first session, um, I there was there was no long term or even a short term plan. But after I had those recordings, I, I said to myself, OK, I actually really liked doing that. I liked the process of getting the band together. Um, I liked the process of writing the music. In some ways, I even liked the process of printing and taping the charts. Um, I just got the I just I really loved all of it. So the next logical step was to write more music and to get some gigs around New York City. Um, and so some of those videos came out of residencies, you know, organizations like 23 Arts and Catskill Jazz Factory commissioned me to write an arrangement of Rhapsody in Blue um, for the big band featuring Concert Piano, um, Dizzy's Club Coca-Cola. I mean, I've just been really fortunate to be able to play at some pretty amazing venues with the band. And... I wound up having a residency for about two years at the Django downtown at the Roxy Hotel. Um, and during that residency, which was a, about two years long every month, I made a, a transition where in live performance at the Django, just because of the visual nature of the club, I couldn't see the band from the piano. So I started calling some of my best friends who are pianists to play in the band and I would conduct. So like Leah Gregorian would play piano, um, Matisse Picard, Luke Salenza, um, you know, just people who I love to listen to would come in and, and Takeshi Obayashi played um, one gig, Alex Brown. I mean, literally like pianists who I love you know, their music. And, and so that's a unique opportunity already just to be able to hear other pianists on my music because it's not a position that most pianists find themselves in, uh, which is the ability to call their peers and colleagues for their own music. Um, but what that afforded me was the opportunity to look at my band as they were playing and say, okay, so that's very interesting. All the trombones are turning blue in the face after almost every chart. <laughs> or, okay, the flute player really liked that part. Mm. Or, you know, 
the bassist and the drummer have a moment here to shine. And so I basically learned how my band sounded and what my band's personality was by bringing in all of this different material to the ensemble over the course of those two years. And during that residency, I was able to write a number of feature charts for certain members of the ensemble. I was able to write certain uh, vocal features for other people. And I was also able to start really writing for a lot of other projects um, outside of my big band. So all of those things started like really blending together in some sort of big band mixing pot, um, melting pot, whatever. Um, and it resulted in a recording session at Sear Sound where we recorded 16 tracks over the course of two days um, with this band, which really does have its own unique energy because of that. It, it wasn't, it's not a studio band that was just called for the session. Like this is one of the few working big bands, you know, that, like thanks to this residency um, of being able to play every month. I mean, that's something that I'm forever grateful to, to Ken and the team over at the Django for. Um, and so I highlighted 10 of my favorite performances from that recording date um, and put them on this record, Kinetic. Yeah, that's amazing, man. And so how did you come to um, select the musicians that appear on the record? Because there's, I know there's several drummers, there's vocalists. How did you kind of come to the person that's <laughs> on the record? Yeah, a lot of trial and error. Um, over the course of many years of um, what works for what's best for the ensemble um, versus even what's best for the music or what's best for me. Mm -hmm. um, as for the four drummers thing on the record, like that's actually one of my favorite parts of the record is that there are four drummers on it. Uh, and the reason that I did that is because at the Django, I just love to call all my best friends to play with me. Um, and all the drummers that are on this record, um, you know, Ulysses Owens Jr. is on the record, Jimmy McBride, Joe Perry, Brian Carter. The four of them are all integral parts of the Stephen Fifeke Big Band. And the best part about that is that whenever one of them would be featured on the gig, the ensemble would sound totally different and take on this whole new nature. And I felt that in order to capture the sound and the personality of my big band that I just had to have all of them on the record. Well, you did it. And it, and it definitely, <laughs> it definitely um, changes the vibe, but it's not so much that like, it doesn't seem like the same band still, you know, at least what's on the record. Yeah. Yeah, for opinion. sure. I agree. I agree with that. It's, it's definitely the same band, but it's a different driver. Right. Yeah. It's interesting how that changes and how the personnel can change so much. So there's a lot of people on the album. We could sit here and list them all off, but uh, <laughs> I think it'd probably be easier if you go to Steven's website and kind of get all the information about about the record <laughs> and who's on it. Because it's a who's who of kind of our generation of uh, musicians in New York and uh, yeah, all of New York people, right? I'm making sure I'm not crazy here. but. Uh, <laughs> So why don't you tell us a little bit about your compositional and arranging kind of influences kind of that coalesce in some of this music. So who, who have you been, who were you checking out? Who, you, who, who inspires you as in the comp 
composer arranger side of things? Um, that's a very long list, um, for sure. But I am fortunate to have been able to study with two amazing compositional and orchestrational instructors um, during my time studying at NYU and at Manhattan School of Music, and that is Jim McNeely and Gil Goldstein. And both of them really uh, inspired me in my approach to composition and arranging, but also highlighted certain recordings that I could check out, um, which also really inspired me. So I kind of trace this big band lineage back, like where my inspiration starts to like, um, I feel like there's almost a couple of splits over the course of the big band lineage in terms of like divergences of more um, through composed versus more improvisational approaches to composition and arranging. So Duke Ellington, um, Billy Strayhorn team comes to mind as like one potential path to follow. Thad Jones is another potential path to follow. Um, and when Thad had his big band um, with Mel at the Vanguard, just down the street, um, Gail Evans had his band playing a weekly residency as well. Um, and it's kind of interesting to like, see where those two paths go. Um, you know, out of Thad comes Bob Brookmeyer in some way because Bob was in that band, and, you know, out of, I mean, and obviously this stuff isn't exactly in a vacuum. So it's, there's some mixture of the paths, of course, but like out of Bob comes Jim, you know, for example, out of Gil comes someone like Maria Schneider. Mm -hmm. um, and so all of these people are influences. Um, on, on me and my writing and my playing even, um, I really think that there's a lot of compositional approach to the way that I improvise, um, or at least try, or not try, just it's one and the same thing. Um, but I would also be remiss if I didn't mention a few colleagues and peers who I really admire. You know, someone like Miho Hazama comes to mind as mm -hmm. someone who I really love her music. Um, Remy LaBeouf comes to mind. Omar Thomas, um, your colleague at UNT. Um, is someone who I'm really inspired by. And then there's just so many other people who I go and check out their big bands in New York City um, because it's one of the few places where just because of the sheer volume of musicians and composers, it is possible to like almost any night in pre-COVID times go out and hear a big band. Um, so yeah, I like to listen to everyone oh. and check out everyone. Um, yeah, well, I mean, those are uh, quite a list of people to be able to check out, especially for younger musicians. I'm going to be selfish here for a second and ask a little bit more about Gil Goldstein because he, I find, I feel like he, there's a lot of things of his that I really, really think are very masterful, like arrangements, like the Brecker Quindectet stuff comes to mind as like a way of reimagining what an ensemble might be and what the, what the, um, I don't know if there's that there's many things I'm not going to list them all off but so what were some of the key takeaways from working with Gil and how do you in incorporating them into your own writing uh, process or style I think that the biggest takeaway from Gil is not is to not treat the big band like a big band hmm. um, or not to treat any ensemble at face value um, Gil is a masterful orchestrator and he's also 
you know, something that him and Jim, like they, they both have this in common, but I think approached it in totally different ways. Harmony is like silly putty to those two, you know, and they're really able to color the music in extremely interesting ways harmonically and then bring out those colors with intelligent and creative orchestrational choices. So with Gil, I would bring in a chart and like it sometimes he would say like, wow, this is way too big bandy, um, <laughs> for example. Um, and then sometimes like he would say like, whoa, that's really cool. Like, what did you do there? And, and another thing I picked up from him is that like you should not just be a teacher, you should always be the student. Like Gil is a lifelong student and I remember one, I mean, <clears throat> I had one really fun lesson with, I had many fun lessons with Jim, but one lesson that really stands out is that we were playing, I just brought in my trio folder of like compositions of like Lee Cheat style compositions and we were playing through my arrangement of On the Street Where You Live. And, um, and uh, we both, you know, we played the, and so that's on the record actually featuring Veronica, Veronica Swift. Um, and we like played the intro and he was like, oh, very moody, very dark, Steve. And like, we get to like the March section. Cause basically I did like a 2020 take on it where, okay, like actually it's not such a good thing that you're stalking the person that you're romantically interested in. You should probably take a step back. Um, so I turned it into a stalker arrangement of that tune. And he's just like chuckling the whole time. Like we both solo, whatever. And then, after the bridge out, he transposes it up a half step. And he turns to me, he's like, this is for a singer, right? And I was like, yeah, but not yet. And so I like <laughs> hold it in A flat. And then like, there's a moment where I do transpose up a half step in the arrangement um, just before like the final sentence, not, not even the final verse, just the final sentence is up a half step. And we get there and he just starts cracking up. And I, and I, he just put down and, like we finished the chart and he goes like, wow, it must be really fun to sing in your big band. And I was like, well, you want to sing? <laughs> <laughs> and so, but, but like both of those professors of mine, Jim and, and um, Gil uh, have their approaches to music in general and just the joy at which they, the joy that they exude when they play and teach and write is probably the biggest thing that I've, could ever take away from those lessons mm. um yeah that's yeah that's super important and um that's really a good place to um to think a good place to you know a good thing to think about excuse me um well i know you are a very busy man and have many things to do <laughs> today so i don't we'll have to do a part two of this interview but um could you just let everybody know what maybe the best places to find you online are and where to listen to the record uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you can visit me online at my website, which is www.stephenfeifke.com. You can follow me on Instagram at, at Stephen Feifke, on Facebook at, at Stephen Feifke Music, or on YouTube at Stephen Feifke. There are videos to go along with all of these performance recordings that I'll be uploading um, over the course of the next couple months. Uh, but if you're anxiously awaiting listening to the music, then you can check it out on all streaming services. Um, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll just be looking forward to part two because this was really fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. And make sure go to Stephen's website and buy a CD if you can. It's always best to 
directly support the artists, uh, especially such great ones with huge projects like this one. You know, we want to make sure that he can uh, do a part two of his big band. Uh, we want to hear that. I know I do. So. Uh, thanks for joining us today. We'll be back with Stephen Feifke another time, but for now he's going to go about his busy life and uh, <laughs> we'll uh, catch you again soon. So thanks, Stephen. All right, Nick. Thank you very much. <laughs>